This is a Your Farm Business Podcast with Mike Krause of P2P Agri. My next guest is Daryl Gobbert, now a visiting fellow at the South Australian Centre of Economic Studies at the University of Adelaide. Daryl is an eminent economist and has many roles in his successful business career. Daryl and my path crossed actually back in the late 1980s, so a long time ago, when the state bank existed, the predecessor to Bank SA. Notably, back in those times, interest rates hit the giddy heights of 22%. Daryl is a rare commodity when it comes to, into the economic community, as he is a good communicator, helping us understand these issues in complex economic times. Welcome, Daryl, to your business podcast. Thank you, Mike. Darrell, I'd like to kick off. A lot of farmers ask me, and they remember the high interest rates of the 1980s. Do they, can they forget that we're never going to get there again, or is there a possibility we could get back there? Uh, I think say, saying never lasts a long, long time. We may, we may well see those types of interest rates again, but I, I think the likelihood of it very un, is very low, particularly over the next couple of years. The, the Reserve Bank, you know, has set a target of inflation of 2 to 3%, and it, it itself doesn't even see that target being reached until probably well into 2023, 2024 on a sustainable basis. You know, the, the cash rate's now 0.1 of a percent. You're seeing variable rate loans out there as the base rates of, you know, in the order of 2%, 3%. The Reserve Bank in its monetary statement in May sort of suggested that most market participants, in fact, don't see the cash rate starting to move up probably no earlier than late 2022, 2023. But I think there's also a broader issue here, and that's since the 1980s, we've been globally in a situation of declining interest rates. So those, you know, Australia, Australia's interest rates peaked a lot later in, in earlier in 89, 90 than they did globally, the United Kingdom, the United States. So we've had this long-term trend of falling interest rates now for the best part of 30 to 40 years. And that followed, and some of your listeners, they talked to mum and dad about that, uh, that followed what was an 80-year rise in interest rates from the 1890s through to the, through to the 1980s. So, so it's a really slow-moving wave. That's right. And there's so there's this very long term trend. And, and there's one of the reasons that the academics put for that is the is demographic change. The population growth has been slowing down since the, the 80s and 90s. In fact, some of your listeners may well be aware that China's working age population is now falling. Their populate their total population is likely to peak probably within the next five to 10 years and then start falling. Same wow. things happening in Japan, Korea. So a lot of the countries where we had strong population growth and, and helped drive the Australian and, and global economies are now going into these long population declines or have been in them for a couple of years. And so there's this view that, in fact, interest rates on a long-term trend are going to stay low for a lot longer. And then there's also been more work coming out about the impact of COVID and pandemics on interest rates. Well, that's interesting because we've just come into COVID. It's made the economy... Quite complex. So what's the outcome there? We've got a very, we've got a, a sort of a short-term issue, you know, short-term in two to three years with the Reserve Bank trying to get inflation back up. We've got this COVID issue now affecting us, which could, having had a look at previous pandemics, 
could play out for 20 years in terms of its economic and interest rate impact. And we've also got this long-term global drop in interest rates. So I think people could be saying low interest rates, perhaps not as low as we've seen you know, today, because these interest rates are now the lowest the world has ever seen. And we're not talking about wow. this century or the last century. This is data that the Bank of England has put together going back 3,000 years. We are in the very lowest interest rates we've ever seen. And I think we're, yes, we might well start to see some lift, but it, it would be in the order of, you know, perhaps 1% to 2% over the next three to four years. Well, Daryl, does that then raise the question? I know farmers are saying, oh, should we fix interest rates because RBA is seeking to raise, uh, encourage, they think interest rates are coming up. But if we're at such low levels, that decision of fixed versus variable is a non-event. They'll all be staying at low levels. Is that what you're... Well, my view is you'd have a mix of variable, you know, for your working capital and mm-hmm. probably fixed for that longer-term stuff. Because I, I think the issue is not going to be so much about being able to service the interest rate. It's as you've spoken to with the previous podcaster, is are people concerned about the current valuations they're having to pay for land? Mm. And so I, I think that probably becomes more of the question relative to the cash flow issue of whether interest rates are going to go up. But yes, my recommendation would be you'd probably stay on variable for that type of finance that's going to be going up and down in terms right. of volume, your working yep. capital. What, your overdraft? Do, do look to fix at least some of your term interest rates, particularly yep. as you'd sort of say, even if they went to zero, you might save yourself 2 or 3% whereas they could well start to move up. I think move up in, in a very sort of slow fashion. Now, Daryl, you also mentioned to me when we were preparing for this that you felt the low interest rates were putting an encouragement for our rural land values to continue to grow, as we've witnessed quite significantly over the last 20 years. What's your take on that? Well, there's two issues here. One is for farmers themselves, if they're looking to expand, these interest rates have said never been lower. So there's a demand there, but there's also a demand from outside the sector and there's increasing interest, and I, I am an investor in agriculture, there's an increasing interest from outside investors in agriculture, both land but also the services and the products that are being produced by Australian agriculture. And I, I think this will continue to grow. So then the question is if, you know, in the past, Farmers might have been making perhaps a three or four percent, you know, capital growth mm-hmm. on their properties. Yeah, and you'd say, well, when interest rates were fifteen to twenty percent, we're not going to invest in that from outside. Now, yeah. if you're looking at interest rates of perhaps zero percent, effectively deposits, you got dividend yields now probably no more than two to three percent. Mm-hmm. Farmland, if it's continuing to grow and it does grow long term in value of three to four percent. It's actually been higher than that. I think it's actually even as high as 7 or 8% over the last 10 years and something. So if if you've got, and some of that might well reflect low interest rate, but if you've got what is a very long-term capital growth, long-term productivity growth, and we we know the agriculture sector is is one of, is one sector which actually shows, you know, strong ongoing productivity growth, Mm -hmm. then it's a good place to invest. And I think that's going to continue to see land prices go up and probably see also water prices, you know, on a long-term trend upwards, even though we've had very good rains this year. So effectively what you're saying then, Daryl, we're in an environment where interest rates are low, 
which is encouraging our asset values in our farmland and water resources to be higher. So farmers, I guess, are looking, can, can look at their investing and growing their businesses in this different context, take some more confidence perhaps in having to live with these high asset values because they're well, not going to fall, they're going to go up. That's right. In, in, on my expectation that we're seeing this continued long-term uh, trend in lower interest rates, that's going to attract outside investors in particular into Australian agriculture because there is still going to be growth in the Asian economies, this, this growth in the middle classes. I think we're also going to see, as we're seeing in the United States and other areas, climate change where they haven't become as adapted to you know, the, the vagaries of climate like Australian farmers had to adjust to. You know, over the last 150 years, it could well be that our ability to grow high-quality foodstuffs and fibres and energy energy crops in more variable climates may well put us in good standing versus farmers in other countries who've had much more moderate, less variable climates. Okay. So I guess the point is then for farmers who are listening to this podcast, if you're looking at buying and expanding out the land values, yes, they are high. You have to consider one of the things in your advantage, interest rates are low and protected to stay low. But I guess there's confidence that the asset you're buying will maintain its value, if not increase. And so, yes, expanding is a challenge for us from a cash flow and a profit activity. But from a balance sheet activity, it's quite a strong thing still to do. Yes, yeah, I mean, I look at you know the almond industry in Australia. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of the most rapidly growing and changing. And, you know, the main competition probably comes from California. They're running out mm-hmm. of water, whereas, you know, and our crops are probably going to have water issues in years to come. But yeah. I think we are managing those water resources, both at a public level, but particularly at a private level with the farmers. I, I think mm-hmm. we're managing those water resources a lot better. Than, you look in California, rivers are drying up and they have a lot more competition from people wanting to grow golf courses and lawns <laughs> yeah. than, than our almond farmers or our olive farmers do. And, and yeah. I think, yeah. you know, we're now seeing a return of, you know, dried apricot growing to Australia after being principally uh, you know, crops coming in from, from Turkey and the Mediterranean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I said, I just think there's huge opportunity there, particularly because Australians are pro- Australian farmers probably have managed these climate issues better than others because of what we've had to deal with for 150, 200 years. So well done, Australian farmers, in doing that. Daryl, thank you very much for your insight in these complex times, um, particularly on interest rates, land values and water rights. Thank you very much and thank you for your contribution. We look forward to catching you again sometime. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have questions you'd like explored, let us know on social media. So look for P2P Agri on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you.